Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Joshua Scott Edwards. Joshua, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. I was like trying not to mess it up. I don't know why that's like hardest thing for me lately. <laughs> like, I've done it like I think the more I do it, I'm like, don't mess up, don't mess up. <laughs> oh yeah, reading from a script. It's like you'd think it'd be easy. It's just reading, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I took the script out now because I thought it'd be easier. I think I might go back to it. <laughs> like I don't know. It's, it's really weird. I'm just like somebody's gonna notice if you change one word, so I try to keep it the same. Too, too much pressure, Josh. It's just too much pressure. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, Joshua, for coming on today. I was really excited. I actually had you on for um, inviting you for season three. I have a possible podcast uh, guest list that I've been creating for some time. Um, you know, as soon as I saw your book come up, I was like, oh, my gosh, you'd be so much fun to interview. And um, I feel like you and I have very similar like styles of hmm. um of like like branding styles um so like you're doing what i want to do particularly when i went to your website um i was like oh yeah this is exactly you know how i want to be portrayed or my writing or books to be portrayed uh so yeah it was really cool i had somebody like bail out they're like oh really sorry i have production things i'm like that's okay i'm like i have joshua scott edwards like <laughs> right at the list there uh so yeah you were right at the top of my list for for season three so it's cool that we could just you know, kind of slide you in there. So yeah, yeah, thank you so much for, you know, responding to my Twitter message and I'm excited <laughs> yeah, to get of course. you today. So yeah, I'm excited too. Awesome. Well, we'll start right in there with that first question, which is one of my favorites personally as a writer. Uh, what has your writing journey been like up until this point? Yeah. So I feel like probably for a lot of people, the writing journey starts with just reading, right? Yeah. So that, that was definitely the case growing up. I read like lots of fantasy um, and when I say growing up, I mean, like when I was a small child, <laughs> like <laughs> reading Red Wall and mm, oh, man, man, I, I want to revisit that story eventually, see if it holds up still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Harry Potter, of course, back, back in the day. Um, but I, my first thing I ever wrote, I think I was like in fifth grade oh, and man. I wrote <laughs> like the start of a story called the golden sword. Oh, so <laughs> it, it was probably terrible. I think it started with me like walking out of my house <laughs> or something, <laughs> just like going on an adventure. I had obviously I had no idea how to write a story at that time, but some part of me clearly just like wanted to tell stories and specifically fantasy stories. But then I went into like a reading slump, which is apparently pretty common for, for boys. Yeah. Like I think at like 13, I just bounced off of like the fifth Harry Potter book and then didn't pick up a book for fun until like I was in college. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so college comes around, I get back into reading. I discovered a song of ice and fire, George R. R. Martin's works. And I'm just like addicted. I'm hooked. And I start coming up with all these stories that I want to write. And they're, they're like way too ambitious. Like <laughs> there's like a science fiction fantasy, like blend that I want to do at some point, but I'm like, I have no idea how to market that. I don't even know how to write it. I am a terrible writer <laughs> at first. Um, so I was like, all right, you know what? Practice story. And that's where this this uh, first book came out, uh, came from. And it it actually started just as like some a collection of notes from a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that my friends oh, cool. were running. And the main character, his name is Grim, was my character in the campaign. And 
yeah, the first draft was just like really terrible, just posting it on Discord, just to kind of like keep everybody up to date with the story. Um, and then I was like, well, you know, if this is going to be a practice story, I should probably do it the right way. And I just started doing like iterations on the drafts and just kept going. And all of a sudden I'm like, well, I, I have like a real book here <laughs> that I'm ready to, ready to publish. And I, I guess for the video viewers, I'll hold it up here. An ocean of others. So thank you. That's a Felix Ortiz and Sean King. They're incredible. (laughs) Which is why I got to have them on. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That'd be a great interview. I'd love to hear their process. Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, like I attribute 90% of my success to just Felix Ortiz and Sean King. (laughs) (laughs) Just that that amazing cover that just draws everybody in. Um, I was so happy with that. But yeah, that's kind of how I've gotten to this point and now i've i I worked on the book for three years it just came out in september of 2022 this year and uh yeah now i write pretty much every day (laughs) i feel like if i don't write i don't i don't know what i'm doing with myself so (laughs) (laughs) i definitely know that feeling well when i saw your book it was funny because when i saw your book and i think it was like three others too that kind of came out relatively the same time i'm like felix did that cover (laughs) and like he's like very quickly became like um uh like what my definitely like top two favorites him and one of my other um artists i'm like i go back and forth because it's like i feel like it's like rocky and ivan drago like one of them comes out (laughs) this amazing you know uh work and then the other one does the same thing and i'm like (laughs) who's the other artist (laughs) um joel totally gonna like i'm I'm gonna look up his last name that's okay Uh, sorry joel joel oversteam joel oversteam and he does more like concept stuff but i'm trying to get him on too i think i really think one of these days it'd be so cool to have him felix and like um there's a couple artists that have I've, I've seen, but I haven't gotten to talk to. Um, but I think it'd be cool to have like four of them come on and talk about their different processes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Felix is such a cool guy. Like I was looking for a banner to be made uh, for our website. And I actually, we're actually, that's one thing we're redoing on our site um, is we're going to be flip flopping the art and stuff out. Um, nice. yeah, he was like, I was like, Oh, can you do something like this? And I sent him a couple images and he was like, I just messaged him on Facebook. I was like, Hey, really love your work. You know, love you on wizards, words and words, you know, um, he had just done like three different episodes on there with the guys. And he was like, Oh, what do you need? And I'm like, Oh, I'm just looking for this. And he goes, that's going to cost you like 1500 on average. He goes, you should really just go to Adobe stock images and, you know, just put something together. He's like, it's only like 10 bucks. Um, and then we found one that we really liked. Um, so I was like, so thankful there. Cause he could have very easily been yeah. like, yeah, I'll do that. You know, yeah. bucks, you know, and I had the money at the time. So I just think like, you know, that was, that was really professional of him, you know? And like, he was yeah, like, definitely. Oh, sorry. Like the day I got home, he's like, Oh, sorry. You know, I'm really busy. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. He literally got back to me like his time <laughs> the next morning at like eight o'clock with kids. I'm like, Okay, and then to say that, so I was just like, I've talked to him a lot on like Facebook and stuff since. Like, he's just a great guy. But yeah, I love yeah. his work. But yeah, him and Sean are just like, anytime I see one of their covers, I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, yeah, you can always like, tell. Yeah, yeah. I, if I were like Tor Orbit, I would have like just been throwing money at those guys. So right? I, I want to have them on and be like, has this not happened yet? Or do you guys just like to be independent? I just, I cannot believe that somebody would look at your book cover and be like, okay, we're just going to let these guys be our competition. Like, I'd be like, yeah, right. In here, like, whatever they want. Crazy. 
Yeah, yeah I Silicon love Valley style. It should just get acquired. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Well, that's what they're doing with authors now. I'm surprised that they don't do the same thing. You know, I think it'd be smart if they did that with everybody, you know, in the indie community. Yeah. Then you're eliminating competition, you know, and I don't know. I it just it's really interesting to me. But yeah, they do they definitely do the best job, in my opinion, than even traditionally mm-hmm. published, you know, between cover artists and you know, and lettering and stuff like that. I mean, you can you can definitely tell, right? There's like your book really pops you know, compared to other books when you're looking particularly on, you know, Kindle or Twitter, you know, or something like yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. Felix is, he's, he's a wizard too. Like, he I, is a I think I sent him a prompt and like two days later, he's like, it's done. And I'm like, what? How did you do that? <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe how quickly I, I don't have Mark's book here. Mark Timoney and I are friends, but. Oh yeah. I like the bookmarks, but like, yeah, like he had like the star binder. Um, mm-hmm done like great book oh well yeah and like i mean just and like the butt of the spear it's just and he's like yeah i gave it to him because he was send this to me in like three hours and he's sort of starbucks got this for his novella got this purple that's just like out of this world it reminds me a lot of uh, michael r fletcher's obsidian path um Mm -hmm. yeah i just i was like how 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 i've asked him that quite a few times i was teasing the other day because he had a new one come out and i was like I was like, could you save some talent for the rest of us, please? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he goes, I'll try. And I'm like, I, 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 but it's funny that, you know, I, for those guys, like even because I talk to people, like I love authors and they're like, I love, you know, hearing different authors. I love sharing stuff for authors. And people are always, you know, who aren't authors are always asking me, they're like, why do you help each other? Isn't this a competition? And I'm like, it's really not. I said, I consider if we, each push each other up the mountain, you know, particularly for, you know, for India, I'm like, how far could we go? You know? And, um, yeah. I, you know, I always tease Felix and Sean about that all the time, but, you know, um, cause I just think they do amazing work, but they make me want to, you know, put what's in the book, make that just as amazing as, you know, the outside of the book. Um, yeah. Healthy competition, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I just was curious just before we get into some of those other questions. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you just like email Felix or, or Sean separately uh, and just say like, hey, you know, like, do you guys mind, you know, doing this? Like, I was just curious kind of how that whole process like went down. Yeah. So actually, you mentioned the blood of the spear. That's actually the book that introduced me to Felix's work. And I was like, man, love that cover this is this is great and i look him up on art station and i'm just like scrolling through in amazement just like oh my goodness this guy like i want him yeah and he was my first first pick and i'm like i there's like very little chance he's gonna respond to me like in in my mind i guess i built him up as like he's just so so talented so incredible there's no chance he's gonna work with like some nobody like me um and Instead, he just like responds and he's the coolest guy ever. And he really like, is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's super friendly, super helpful. Um, it, like we went back and forth on a couple different ideas right away. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just I reached out to him. Um, and I think maybe like two days later, he got back to me and we started we got on the schedule. And a, a couple months later, he was like, all right, well, uh, I I worked on your idea and <laughs> it didn't work. So do you have any other ideas? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Sean King, I reached out to him separately. Um, it was one of the, actually the big mistakes I made in uh, this, just the whole publishing process was not getting both of them involved earlier. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So like, I guess I didn't realize just how busy they are. Um, but once, once I, uh, once I decided to work with them and got the okay from them to work on them, I I ended up having to like push my release date back. Um, just because I was like, all right, well, (laughs) they're, they're worth it. I'll, I'll wait an extra three months. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder about that, um, you know, with different, just for like our audience. Um, so what we're talking about here is, you know, with Sean T. King, who we talked about before, you know, it's, you really want to think about your cover and how you're getting that cover. You don't want to just get an amazing cover and then not think of where the lettering is going to go, where your mm-hmm. name is going to go. I used to teach graphic design. Uh, I used to want to be an illustrator. Um, so, you know, I've looked into a lot of those different things. So just for our audience, like, it's really something to think about. So if you look at like, you know, your cover, you know, that clearly was, you know, was that, you know, between them was talked about and was really well thought out. So I've seen some others, you know, where they cut something off or, you know, it really, they, sometimes they, you know, people have to pay somebody to redo, you know, their cover just to get the lettering on. So it's definitely something that's a good point. It's definitely something to consider, you know, particularly if you're going to have two people working on it, you know, or even if you're trying to work on it yourself. Yeah. And then, then you got to think about things too, right? Like the wraparound or, Mm -hmm. you know, hardcover paperback you know things like that so yeah it's a great point yeah that's really cool well it looks awesome so <laughs> thank you uh you talked a little bit about uh your genre but for our audience what genre genres do you currently write in and why yeah so mostly i read fantasy so i mostly write fantasy <laughs> um but i also write sci-fi because uh, i love oh, reading cool. sci-fi too um so i've got a sci-fi serial horror that's going on on my website right now oh i didn't know that that's awesome let's write that down that's cool yeah it's, it's called grave of the waiting uh, i publish a chapter every month which is ooh, it's a it's challenging <laughs> getting a oh, chapter yeah, out yeah. every month um but yeah i mean like uh just fantasy and sci-fi t- in some ways like they seem like on the same continuum to me like they're almost like the same genre just like with different styles yeah i love how both of them just allow you to just kind of think about things that don't exist in the real world and just kind of like come up with all these cool scenarios that like you'd never be able to get in like contemporary or yeah or just like literary fiction i guess you can get like magical realism type stuff but but um typically the the stories that tend to resonate with me for whatever reason <laughs> are just like the really dark stories mm. so like game of thrones pretty dark um berserk is one of my my big ones mm. um yeah just stuff like that uh, so i think that kind of seeps into my writing a little bit where i i try not to hold back and try and make the tone like too light feels like more realistic to me in a way to just like follow through with like the actual consequences like someone gets hit in the arm with a sword or something like that and they don't have armor protecting them like there's a good chance they're going to lose that arm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might get like sepsis or something like that yeah. uh, it's not just like oh man you just i i did battle and you know, let's wound. go do more battle <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like video gamey in a way it almost yeah, feels yeah. like um yeah so uh yeah i guess that's just why i i've got like sci-fi horror like i didn't want to just do sci-fi um i think an ocean of others has a lot of horror elements in it too um i kind of market it as grimdark where it, but this i think this story is like a little less grimdark than maybe some people would expect especially given the cover looks pretty like <laughs> gritty and brutal yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's like a guy 
like holding up a uh, hand, like trying, don't kill me. Uh, that was all Felix's idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, how was I going to say? Just, yeah, sci-fi, fantasy, a lot of dark elements. That's mostly what I write in. Um, I think I did write one uh, just sort of like, I don't even know what to call it. Just like a sort of like a literary short story on my website. Oh, um, gotcha. it's called this side of history. It's, oh, okay. it's probably not very good. Um, but <laughs> if, you, if you're interested in reading non-sci-fi fantasy stuff by me, there, there it is one wow. short story. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, like sci-fi and fantasy kind of being, you know, like, part of that same coin right well you know you have to mm -hmm. build you have to take some of that realism from our world that people can connect to but then still make it fantastical in some way so i think that makes total sense i always tease mm -hmm. uh, the sci-fi authors on here i'm like oh, is he's better and um the only reason i, I tease them about that is because like i absolutely love sci-fi but for me like sci-fi is harder to write i don't know why I, i've read so much sci-fi so much more sci-fi because i discovered sci-fi early as a reader mm -hmm. compared to fantasy um that to me, it's just, it's interesting what people, you know, are able to come up with. And I have quite a few sci-fi authors who are like, no, you can do it. Like, we'll help you. And I'm like, okay. And like, as soon as I get some of the fantasy stuff done, but yeah, it's, uh, I definitely love sci-fi too. And yeah, they're definitely, I think as a writer, you get different things from both. Right. And mm -hmm. I think even with subgenres, that that's one of the things. And I think sometimes it's hard for people within fantasy or sci-fi, like you're talking like, you know, to, to really find where you fit. You know, and yeah. I think people just think, oh, I'm a fantasy author. It's like, you know, you're not, you know, you're, you're something within there, you know, and like, I have like historical urban fantasy, which I really want to write. I have a lot of ideas. I'm a history teacher. I have a lot of ideas that mm. I want to incorporate fantasy or urban fantasy into it. So I'm like, kind of, I'm not, I'm like, I'm gonna create my own genre, historical urban fantasy. And, you know, yeah. and I think that it just sounds more fun. You know, they say, write what you want to read. And I like when people do stuff like that. So, but yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's, it's hard to find your little niche and figure out sometimes what your, you know, what genre or subgenre you are within. But yeah, I like that you said that though, that you have more horror in there because Richard Lee Byers is one of my favorites and uh, mm. he's written a lot of fantasy, but it also has a lot of horror in it. And those are some of the best, <laughs> some of the best books I've ever read. It just makes it more, oh, it makes it very unique. So to me that, yeah. That gets me more, even more excited for your book now, just knowing that. <laughs> oh, Grimdark, that's awesome. <laughs> Grimdark is great, but I love when people put those horror elements into fantasy. It just ends up, they you need like your own subgenre there. Like, you yeah. know, like, my friend and I were just talking about that a while back. We we're trying to come up with a really cool name for, for horror fantasy. Um, we'll, <laughs> we'll help you guys. Don't worry. It'd be like Grimdark Horror or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I was trying to figure out how to market this book, I was like, Oh, I guess it's like dark fantasy. It's real dark. And then I look at all the dark fantasy stuff and it's like werewolf and yep. like vampire stuff. And I'm like, nah, I guess this isn't really what it is. Yeah. 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 Dark fantasy to me, like, and that's, that's so interesting. That you, you said that because there's so many dark fantasy books that, you know, I think were more, there was a lot of people I knew years ago, like really like the nineties, like, you know, authors that I would read were, you know, they weren't quite sword and sorcery. So then they're like, oh, I'm dark fantasy. And then dark fantasy, mm. yeah, like really, really changed. And now yeah. I think it's way different than it used to be. So that's where, that's where I'm thinking like, you know, you almost need like your own, 
your own moniker now, you know, like they did for dark fantasy versus, you know, sword and sorcery. But yeah, yeah. we'll come up with something good before we're done. <laughs> yeah. Really good, so. <laughs> well, now that third question, which is definitely one of my favorites, because I love uh, talking to authors about, you know, their books uh, and their products. And I, like I said, I saw you popped up. I was like, this is definitely a book for me. Uh, so I was curious at what your book and ocean of others is about and how you came up with this idea. You talked a little bit about how you came up with it, but can we get into that meat a little bit? Uh, you know, what the book's about? Yeah. So my elevator pitch essentially is that it's like a story that. in a world where a plague essentially has been unleashed as the, as the result of a failed experiment. <laughs> and the plague drives living people insane and it turns dead when they die, it turns them into monsters. They like emerge as these horrific creatures that have uh, these powers to manipulate people's emotions that it's part of what drives everybody insane. Uh, and it follows this, uh, a bounty hunter, the last bounty hunter in the city of Leeuwakin who uh, does not know that he's already infected, but he needs to basically, he's the, he's the only one who can stop the madness, but the question is whether he can do it before he succumbs and becomes a monster himself. So it's very different, actually, from the D&D story. <laughs> oh, that's, an act. that's excellent. Yeah, the 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 D&D story, like it follows the same characters, the same sort of plot. But I, I was like, you know, what? like D&D, it's so, like a lot of it is about just like the silly moments with your friends and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and just having fun. Um, and I needed to kind of like chisel it down into an actual like story that, that will sell books yeah. um, and part of that chiseling is like emphasizing the just the elements that are going to be important that maybe weren't quite so prominent in the story that we played in the campaign and I think the the sort of plague aspect where uh, people are being like driven insane is, is something that kind of came out of just my drafting process um so, yeah, I, I think before it was basically just a story about uh, <laughs> a bunch of guys going on wacky adventures, fighting <laughs> monsters. And I tried to turn it into something where it's like about a guy who's trying to fight the madness building in his own mind. Yeah. And as the series goes on, it, he just gets worse and worse. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the basic idea um i can give you like a more straightforward plot summary which is that a guy he's the last bounty hunter and he he joins a new organization called the agency who he thinks he's gonna end up just doing more bounty hunting work but it ends up that he's sent out to fight these horrific monsters by the callous head of the agency who really has no concern over the uh, the well-being <laughs> of his agents <laughs> wow that sounds awesome well that's really cool I, I'm definitely going to have, have to have you, Jake, Fred, and all, and like two other authors that have mentioned their D&D &D experiences and mm. then writing. We'll have to we'll have to get a really cool seminar question going. Which I think that'd be a yeah. great one to analyze. So I think everybody thinks, oh, yeah, like everybody in a D&D &D group who wants to write. I just think everybody's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to write down our campaign. And I'm like, mm -hmm. like, I've tried doing that. We had this great campaign that was ran by this, like, it was like uh, our, D our DM like left and then we had this high school kid and we were both like my buddy and I are both like well we don't have time and we're at the gaming store so we're like all right let's try it 
and she had one of the best like we're in this speaking of grim dark or dark fantasy we're in this dark forest there were all these cool things that happened i i pissed off a god i <laughs> got another one to basically be like my, my, my boo thing um and then i met the god <laughs> of death i mean it was like crazy stuff but oh, it was like, really fun so i'm always like and my buddy and my characters were very interesting um and very like grim dark classes and I'm always like, oh, I'd love to write, you know, about some of the adventures and things. But I think it's a lot harder, like you said, to really come up with a story, you know, on a plot rather than just all oh, these were cool things we did. So I think it'd be cool yeah. to like, analyze that. But yeah, that's super cool. Well, that sounds amazing. When as soon as I saw your cover, I was like, okay, I got to check out the blurb. And then I checked out the blurb. And then that day I was like, all right, well, I got to go check out <laughs> Joshua's site. Checked out your site. And I was just like, oh, my God, that sounds so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I just bought it that day. I was just like, whatever. <laughs> like, I can't oh, wait. Man. I um, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, but I like, I have a problem with Sean and Felix's covers because I, I, I must know. have that. <laughs> um, which is actually another reason why I'm redoing my office because I'm actually going to, my wife's like, oh, going to have space. And I'm like, we would if I put little shelves up a lot. And what I want to yeah. do is like showcase like certain ones. So I found these particular shelves, uh, which are really cool, actually. So yours is going to be one of those with marks. And, oh. Yeah, like that I'll have, you know, because I want to be surrounded by, you know, covers and books that make me want to write. Uh, I think that, you know, that to me, just when I just look at them, be like, okay, I'm ready to write. And I got some posters being made and stuff. A lot of Felix's and Sean's covers. Yeah. actually. Um, and I'll be like framing them and stuff. And it'll just be like my side of the basement. Um, be like a real office finally. But yeah, that was, that was when I read the blurb, though, I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. So yeah, it definitely struck me as not your typical, um, not your typical grim, dark fantasy uh, story. Definitely had a lot of elements to me that seemed very unique, um, which the writer in me and the reader in me, um, you know, my interest was really piqued. So uh, but that's where before we got recording, I was like, well, you know, cover, even the lettering, um, you know, really got me in there. But the blurb I thought was really good. Um, I liked what you had on Amazon for it. Um, you know, you had a lot of really good reviews on Goodreads. So I I thought it was awesome. So it's always interesting to find, you know, somebody who, you know, is able to do that really early, you know, on in their career. It makes me be like, ooh, that's somebody to watch out for. So hopefully, <laughs> well, you know, you. in the next couple of years we can keep going. And then, you know, once somebody snatches you up, offers you a big contract, you can <laughs> go back to this and, and return to it. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, when oh, it that's, comes to that's great oh, to hear because oh sorry. <laughs> oh sorry, my internet cut out there for a second. <laughs> I was like, no, uh, no. What were you gonna say? Sorry, I was just gonna say I, I really appreciate that, just because I I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. So, <laughs> well, you know, you know, people always say fake it till you make it. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I do have to say though, because you know, I just I like people to know because you know I, and I'm, I'm sure people on here you know know this. Like I don't say this to all authors because uh, not all authors are doing the same thing. Um, you know, and some people just kind of have certain things that they do or certain intuitions. I think like, you know, like you said, you know, like, oh, I really want Felix and Sean, you know, and even though that bunk back your release date, I think that was really smart, you know? And um, I think that there are certain things that, you know, you can do to help prepare yourself a little bit better. Uh, and I think that was personally something that was really smart on your part um, uh, to do. Um, I really like how you set up your website too um mm -hmm. yours is one of the websites where i was like saying i sent to my tech guy i was like i kind of like this feel and look more than you know than what we did 
Um, so we're always analyzing what we like as readers, um, you know, so that way we can try to make, you know, my site better and stuff like that. So yours was one where I was like, okay, I really like the cover. I really like the branding. This is the type of branding like we want. So we're really looking, you know, we, we analyze a lot of authors. We analyze a lot of sites. We analyze a lot of blurbs, uh, in particular, oh, sure. <laughs> like a lot of blurbs. Um, but yeah, I would say just personally, like, uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing to me. I really feel like you're going to experience a lot of success, um, more than you you. Know, you know, so far. So yeah. So just my personal opinion, but what do I mean? <laughs> oh, I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, it's funny. I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but one of my friends who, you know, I really tried to say the same thing from book one um, of his, and, you know, he's really experiencing a lot of success right now. And I, with his book two, and I really think that his book three, I, I really think is going to be, you know, a real, a real big jump for him. So I feel like I've seen it before. I've seen it done, Josh. So yeah, yeah I'm a lookout. Uh, but when it comes to your world building now, I'm, ever since I read your blurb, I'm like, I got to ask this question. So when it comes to your world building, what steps do you take to make your world feel unique? It's a good question. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of it did come out of just the campaign. So maybe something that makes it feel unique is just the fact that it was sort of like Maybe, maybe community is not the right way to say it, but like the friend group like collaborated upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like we're all coming up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like a lot of it came out of that. And then I was just like, all right, well, I can just pick and choose the things that I think are like really cool and just try and like amplify those. Um, so one thing that we had was this very mysterious wind <laughs> that was like blowing across the whole hemisphere um, yeah. or like the whole not the hemisphere the equator it's basically separating the world into two separate hemispheres and there was really no explanation for this in the campaign we actually never finished the campaign we finished like the first arc of it and then everybody got busy and yeah, it fell apart as yeah that's 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 always what happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but like our dm had an explanation for it and it was completely different from what mine ended up being. But I was like, all right, let, I'm going to take that and just kind of like riff on that and try and figure out like, why would this crazy high speed wind be blowing around the equator, basically making it impossible to cross the sea? Um, and what I, I basically came up with like, all right, I need to zoom out because that's a planetary phenomenon. Yeah. And so I needed to basically think of something in space or like uh, on the whole planet that uh basically ex explained that and what i came up with was that there are two suns this is a binary star system that this uh takes place in and it's a really weird configuration like there's a couple different configurations that binary stars can be in and planets can basically orbit around the binary star as if they're just one star like they share a center of gravity but i wanted my story to basically take place at that center of gravity um, oh. because that means that we're closer to the stars um, it's a really unstable configuration which i think leads to some interesting things that haven't quite yet uh mm. paid off in the story um and uh the, the base the idea was that one of the stars is like bright and hot and the other is dim and cold and the different hemispheres basically experience the two different stars, um, 
which are called the bright daughter and the shadow son. And the, the story takes place in the hemisphere that's illuminated by the bright daughter. Um, and they, uh, they, they see it rise every day and it kind of wobbles and doesn't rise in the same way. It's not like it rises in the east and sets in the west, like on earth. It's like it could rise in the northwest and south, set in the northeast. Or, or sorry, it always goes east to west, but it could be like more north or more south, mm. which creates like longer and shorter days. And so it, like it all just starts ballooning out from there. Um, like and then I just kind of repeated that process for all the different elements that I wanted to, uh, to highlight as part of the story. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. That's, I think what makes fantasy and sci-fi unique is you just take something like that and then, you know, it really, really catapults right into something unique. And that's where somebody, I don't know, some, Somebody asked me, they're like, oh, like, you know, what do you what do you do in your podcast? And I'm like, I <laughs> interview fantasy, sci-fi authors, you know, artists and stuff. And they're like, oh, that sounds boring. I'm like, what do you mean that sounds boring? Like, what? <laughs> that what? sounds amazing, actually. Yeah, I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, well, fantasy is really just the same thing over and over and over. And I was just I was sci-fi, too. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, are you kidding me? And that's where I kind of, like. <laughs> My wife was like, it was like at one of like her, you know, like school functions or whatever. And she was just like, relax, like don't. You know? <laughs> and I had to be like, woosah, woosah. And I tried to be really polite. I was like, well, actually, you know, and I, I made the point, right, that like just within sci-fi, like we were just talking, right, um, with, you know, the, the crew I'm interviewing for Breaking Infinity, you know, and you think of that movie versus Timeline, um, you know, Michael Creighton, um, and then they had the Paul Walker movie um you know versus um the time machine hg wells versus back to the future i mean it's all time machine right all sci-fi but completely different stories completely different concepts and yeah like, oh my god <laughs> you're so wrong <laughs> like that's why i'd be shook in my head i'm thinking like well, that's why you never have any fun <laughs> and that's what your voice said the voice literally sounds like that um and I'm okay if they ever see this. Um, yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, but I think, you know, ideas like that, you know, really to me as a reader and a writer, I just love that. Cause that just, as a reader, that's what I enjoy about the genre. And I think some people might be like, Oh, it's a small thing. It's like, well, it's a small thing, but it catapults. And, you know, as a writer, I'm like, Oh, there's so many cool things that you could do with that. You know, that gets my mm -hmm. mind, you know, my, my writer mind whirling. So yeah, that sounds, yeah. That sounds really cool. Well, you make a really good point there though, too, with, um, you know, that cultural diffusion. And I just mentioned this because I, I don't know, I had a couple of authors that thought it was helpful. So who knows any readers or writers in the, you know, in the audience, but um, I, I've been running a campaign, ours just fell apart. <laughs> we, were <laughs> almost done. we had like three, two sessions. I'm like, guys, at least give me one long one to finish this first arc. Um, I was actually running a campaign because uh, it was my turn. I was running our campaign within my own fantasy setting. Um, God, being able to play test, um, not only because I want to do my own gaming book in my own world, but to to be able to see how, you know, and everybody in my group is like a different type of fantasy reader um, and they like different things. But to, to be able to play test the ideas, um, you know, and then the different plots and subplots and things, the different continents, the different species and races and stuff um mm -hmm. was just really cool to get to play test the magic system in particular 
to see what did and didn't work um, was really cool. So if anybody ever has an opportunity, I highly recommend uh, doing that, uh, particularly as a writer. It was like really, really helpful. But yeah, but you, that that to me sounds really cool where you're just kind of like, so you were a player, I assume then, and you know, and yeah. you took those ideas. It's a really good idea. Man, and how, how do you do all this? <laughs> you're running DMs, you're oh, writing a, stories, oh. you're... <laughs> Do everything You're having a far, baby far in <laughs> advance far in advance i i pre-scheduled everything when people told me like so i had like it was on summer it was like i think it was like february break or i guess it was it was like two summers ago two summers ago and i knew that we were going to be switching so i literally as a writing exercise every day for that summer um to warm up i i took like an hour and I I wrote about the campaign, but I had already I mean, I already did all the world building, basically. Mm. And I actually have a book that um, the campaign is set in. Um, so, yeah, it was just like I took like three weeks before we switched places. And literally for those three weeks, I just wrote like the entire first part of the campaign. Uh, and I changed things along the way and stuff because that's just the writer in me. I get a better idea or whatever. But yeah, like mm-hmm. definitely. Definitely did things out for far in advance. So then, well, you know, like once we play, I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll just update this. I just keep updated notes and stuff. But yeah, organization definitely helped a lot. But now I have all these notes yeah. about this, you know, this other great story taking place in the same country and stuff. I have this amazing map. Now I have, you know, the entire country's mapped out. So it's kind of nice, mm-hmm. you know, when I go back to write my, the second half of my my desert story in the same country, uh, it's called the Deserts of Kuman. Um and it's kind of cool, you know, because I got everything done. So I don't know. People are always yeah. like, I get distracted from my gaming. I'm like, my gaming helps me write. So it's I like that you and you know you and me are in the same boat because yeah, you know, some people yeah, but it's in, I think it's harder, you know, because you have to like you said like change ideas and things. But yeah, well, now I really got time consuming. You you left a lot there, and I'm like, oh, now I really gotta now I gotta read the rest of your books to figure out like why <laughs> how certain things repercuss later, but. I like having a world that's built that way, though. I have this great book, um, this world building book. Um, I'm hoping to get a hold of the authors of Scribe Forge, um, but it's the mm. Essential World Building Blueprint and Workbook. And it's funny because a lot of the things you talked about, um, they give you a graphic organizer and they mention that. They're like, well, you know, do you have one star? Do you have two? Um, you know, things like that. And it really mm. does a good job kind of breaking that stuff down. But I've always wanted to know somebody that did too. So that's really cool. I'm really. <laughs> That makes me even more excited now because I didn't know that from like your, you know, any of your reviews or blurbs or anything. Uh, so oh, that, yeah. that, that sounds really cool. <laughs> That's where the title of the thing. series comes from. Dance of the Sibling Sons. <laughs> oh, that's really awesome. This is why, uh, this is why I, you know, and I also mentioned to the readers, somebody asked me like, well, why don't you read books of authors beforehand? Oh, I, I was doing that, but then I actually had somebody I had an author that does a podcast and he goes, I'm going to try something crazy. I'm like, okay. He goes, talk to an author and then read their book. And I'm like, well, what does that do? I'm like, then you don't know about their book. And he goes, but a lot of times he goes, you get better questions in your podcast. First of all, he says, second of all, he goes, I get a lot more out of reading their book after I've discussed things with them. Mm -hmm. And he always does like, I do like no spoilers. Um, And I gotta say like, it has helped my reading. Like it's, because I'll know certain things. I'm like, okay, I got to get to this. And then it's almost like I have a director's cut in my head going on. Yeah. <laughs> like the behind and, the scenes look. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, they just make things, it makes things so much cooler. So instead of like, and I do that for Audible now too. Like I only listen to books that I've read and I feel like it really adds to the experience. So 
I like, I like really particularly for indie. I'm like, I've gotten, and it makes me as a writer, like appreciate things so much more. And it almost like helps me map things out in my own books. Like it's almost like I'm taking a writing class just from like <laughs> reading your book after we've already talked about it. Um, so I've had recommended to people, like if you could listen to a podcast of somebody, no spoilers first, you know, as a reader and then do that, I've got to say, I'm so glad that he, you know, said that to do that because it's been a lot better, but now I'm like chomping at the bits. Um, I'm actually going to release cause I'm doing, starting to do book reviews when the baby comes. Um, cause I won't, I stopped doing all these different jobs and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, priorities. Problem. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, well, I'll probably be reading a lot, you know, on the Kindle, you know, while the baby's there listening to books yep. and stuff. So, um, yeah, but I'm actually releasing um, my schedule really soon. So it's it's been so hard, though, on Kindle in particular to, you know, to put people because I'm like, oh, this sounds really cool. Or it sounds really cool. But I'm trying to really stick to like a strict schedule. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty excited to to get this one done. Um, so when it comes to exciting characters that readers can relate to, what do you do to ensure that your readers will be able to connect with them and cheer them on in your story? Yeah, that's, that's a really tough question because <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll tell you a story because I think my process is essentially do it wrong first. <laughs> and Amen this is that. not a good process, <laughs> that's good. but the, uh, the story I was talking about grave of the waiting um, before I was publishing everything and getting everything on the website, I, I have a writing group that I work with and I sent them like the first two or three chapters. And by the end of it, the main piece of feedback was, I hope the main character dies. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, that's, that's not intended. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's a horror story, but <laughs> like, you're supposed to sympathize with this character. Yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, she was like a terrible mother, super selfish. Um, <laughs> just like, really like really just a bad person (laughs) uh, the the problem was that like in my head I knew all of her like positive traits and like I knew she was a good person I I rooted for her and I wanted her to do well but none of that came out in the story like it, it just didn't make it onto the page and I think what really helped it was getting that feedback first of all letting me know that I'm doing it wrong but then really thinking about like, all right, I need to get inside this character's head and make it so that everybody really understands what her motivations are. Cause like before she was like, yeah, I just stay away from my kids. And I, I just like binge the internet, essentially (laughs) something like equivalent to that. And I just focus on my work, but really she's focusing on her work to support her family it never said that in the first draft. I don't, I don't know why it's like a, just that simple little twist. Um, not even a twist, just like adding that information. It completely yeah, yeah, yeah. changes the valence of yeah. you're spending tons of time at work. Um, so I think, I think that's really just the key to it is like getting really deep inside the character's head, making sure their motivations are super clear and just come out on the page. And, uh yeah just like working on that interiority it's that that's like 90 percent of making a character likable and more understandable and making sure you can root for them but then also giving them like a goal that's worthwhile like you don't want them i mean there can be like low stakes stories that you just like the characters and everything but 
for me, I, I really root for a character when I like understand the stakes and it's like, if they fail, like they <laughs> like bad things are going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, just being able to understand their motivation, giving them goals that you can relate to and you understand like sort of like the moral framework that they're operating in. Um, I think that's really important, but it's also really hard to do <laughs> on the first try. So yeah. definitely work with a writer writing group if you can just to get some more eyes on it yeah that's great advice I think that relatability piece is yeah it's it's really tricky and I think sometimes it can be hard right with Mm -hmm. um you know with fantasy and sci-fi because you probably can't shoot fireballs out of your hand or you know (laughs) or you don't know maybe in some (laughs) sci-fi yeah you know like yeah so yeah I think it's um I always look at like um what was that movie like Chappie with the robot we're mm-hmm. like, that's, I really like that robot, you know, like <laughs> I was really rooting for that robot. And I think that they did such a good job with that movie because like, you know, it's, it's hard to relate to that, you know? And I think that really says a lot. I think it really says a lot with, you know, like Martha Wells with all systems red, you know, with her, mm-hmm. you know, main character being like a bionic, you know, robot as well, who doesn't really have, you know, early on doesn't really have, you know, human emotions because they're not human, you know? And, Mm-hmm. I, I just give her a lot of credit, you know, for making you care instantly about that character and, you know, and, and making that series so good with that. But the relatability piece, like you mentioned, is I think is really difficult. And yeah, I think you always have to think like, I even think at the times too, like um, with villains too, like, I don't know, maybe it's the Sam Raimi in me or whatever, with Spider-Man <laughs> too, or whatever, or what I'm just like, like why I think it's like it's great to just have like an evil villain, but it's like I think that's so like a 70s and 80s thing, you know, like a trope yeah. or you know what I mean, where they don't really have a motivation. Like I think Thanos mm-hmm. was a lot better because you could understand at least that, like, okay, I get what you're saying, you're not wrong, but you need to go about this whole process like differently. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I just I always I always found that so interesting. I thought like Kung Fu Panda. Well, with like the, you know, like I, you, you get that he's suffered a lot of trauma, you know, like whatever he is, uh, the, the cat dude or whatever. And then I even think the second one too, you know, like, um, it was just on the other day and we were with our kid's friend, you know, babysitting, whatever. And, um, and I was like, I started thinking about as a writer, I'm like, why, why was this such a good villain? And I'm like, well, you know, that's relatable, you know, like you've you had a rough childhood and, you know, and we tend to take things out on one another when we're having a bad day or whatever, you know, and it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense that somebody in that trauma would do that. So I think relatability, you know, really comes down to it. You know, I think at times too, like, you know, I think you have to be relatable with all your characters, even the villains. So, I yeah. think that's what, you know, really makes, um, I think that's what made like Cobra Kai so endearing to people was like, you know, not just like the comeback stories or, you know, or whatever, but I think it was like showing that we can all be the hero and the villain at different times. And, you know, and maybe at times we can all relate where we weren't really the hero of our own story and maybe we were the villain of somebody else's. So I think that relatability yeah. piece is key. So I think that's that's great advice right there. Yeah, one of the, like one of my favorite quotes that I always try to keep in mind when writing characters is, I think it originates with Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the uh, the Gulag Archipelago. But I think I actually first heard it from George R. R. Martin, <laughs> just watching lots of interviews, which was that, the line between good and evil cuts through the heart of every person. Ooh. Like it's just like such a great quippy little quote <laughs> that I love, yeah. but like 
the idea is that like no one wakes up in the morning and they're like man all right let's be evil today <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. they're just trying to do the right thing and even if they're like the villain in your story like like you said like they're the hero of their own story and your character your your protagonist is like the villain of their story you're yeah, just seeing man. it from the other person's perspective yeah no yeah really i mean we can get into like moral relativism but i feel like this isn't a philosophy podcast. <laughs> well, it's, it's just so funny that you mentioned that because I was on with Patrice Fitzgerald yesterday for our interview and, you know, we had discussed, she asked me, um, you know, she asked me because I'm a history teacher. She's like, how does that help you? And I was like, ooh, we're asking the host a question now. And I'm okay. like, I think it's interesting to see, you know, like here in the United States, you know, like we're always right, you know, even if we're wrong, you know, Vietnam, you know, 9-11, Afghanistan, Iraq, and um you know, like knowing people that have fought or died over there, knowing people that have fought and come back and are still fighting, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder and stuff, you know, it's like, you know, it, it really does make it interesting to put in a fantasy setting. Cause my kids ask all the time where we just got, we're just getting done next, uh, next week with reconstruction. Um, and you know, they're like, how are people this dumb? You know, like, of course people were all equal. And I'm like, but we're still doing the same thing today. And then we, you know, point out different groups and we had kids being like, oh my god like am i am i the hero of my story or am i the villain of someone else's story and it was just interesting to have those conversations with them you know because you you almost don't know sometimes you know and you know i think having those real conversations also you know within you know your book too you know like i think it's easy to see right like i i like um you know robert jordan's take on you know racism where it's not necessarily about what skin color you are but what country you're from you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and um, I think that he explored some really interesting cultural society thing, you know, societal things uh, and some degradations and stuff. So, yeah, it makes it it makes it interesting, you know, like when you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, they're the bad guys or these, you know, they're the good guys. It's like, <laughs> OK, well, life's not that black and white. So, yeah, that yeah. moral gray area tends to be interesting, I think, particularly within fantasy and sci fi, because you can explore that a little bit more. You know, I think you can. I think in real life, it's hard for us to take a look at that because we have to take a you know great look at ourselves. But yeah, and it's so loaded. Like if you start talking about real people, then it starts coming across as like you're judging them, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. who are you to judge? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas if you like made up all these people, yeah, you can judge away. You, you know, yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like I, oh, I totally blank. This is probably twelve years ago, and I was reading an indie author for sci-fi, and like the whole first half of the book was just brilliant. I think it was James Cooper, Matt Cooper. I think it's Matt Cooper, but like, I think the book is called Heavy Duty. But um, he's got this like race of cat people, and then he's got this other like race that comes in, and like he totally in the first part like gets you to hate one group in book like part one because it's this this group's perspective. You hate that group because they do these horrible things, mm-hmm. but then this other group comes in part two and then you actually now reading the first part you know first um you know first uh first-hand accounts of the first group and then you're reading about how evil the other group is and then the, there's a third group of humans that come in and then you're in or see the interaction between these two groups and they're trying to and they don't speak the language they're trying to figure out what's going on like do we help this side do we help this side and i mean it was just written so well where i was like is that not us in a nutshell i mean it was some of the best writing that I like. I I was just thinking about him the other day. I was like, I gotta go back and finish this series because I mean, yeah. to, to write it like as if one group is the villain and then 
the next one is if you know the the heroes i just thought was was absolutely brilliant but makes yeah, that's a great idea i know right yeah <laughs> really cool well if you could visit any part of your own fantasy world where would it be and why hmm yeah so i feel like there's not any like really great place <laughs> to visit like everybody's got every, every country in the bright empire which is like the the series of island countries in the northern hemisphere um illuminated by the bright daughter <laughs> um yeah they, they've all got big problems but i think the most like utopian i guess of them would probably be where the character called enoch comes from which is this place called seapot isle where basically it's just like a it's part of an archipelago of islands and seapot is this island that like sits sort of like at sea level except it like dips down and when the tides come in very chaotically the water just like overflows into their like sort of bowl island and creates like this lake and these people are like very in tune with nature because like all of their all of their industry and all of their agriculture and everything depends on these cycles of uh, just like tides and and the sun and everything so I, I think that would be a nice place to live they're very in tune with nature they're very um, sort of like connected to magic in the world too. Mm. Um, but of course they have their problems too. <laughs> like every place does, right? Yeah. It'd be really boring to write just like the perfect place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair. Oh, that sounds really cool. Well, speaking of powers, if you could have any skill or magical power from one of your characters, which would it be and why? So I think again it's gonna be Enoch. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's basically only two types of magical powers in the uh in the series. There's arch magic, which is uh, uh all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little bit away here, but uh there's arch magic, which is like Spoiler. fire. <laughs> yeah, spoilers, turn off the no, pause, don't turn pause. off. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so there's arch magic, which is like has two aspects. There's fire and there's dark, and they're very interrelated as we explore a little bit more in Sibling Sons 2. Um, because our protagonists, well, all right, I won't give away too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, Enoch is like the one guy who kind of gets it and he knows there's like fire and dark, but most people are just like, it's all fire, there's only arch fire, and they refuse to acknowledge this like dark aspect. Um, but the other power is the sort of benefactor power, which is the, the power that like the plague and the emotions and everything like that I was talking about earlier. And the character who has that is going slowly insane. So I definitely don't want that one. <laughs> <laughs> no Rand Althors here, right? Like <laughs> Actually, so I'm, at, I'm in the middle of reading the wheel of time for the first time right now. Oh. And I'm in the so-called slog. I'm on book eight now. Oh, I was gonna say I, I'm at book seven, but I wait. I'm waiting for my buddy because we're doing Mal's and Book of the Fallen. He's never read. We love oh, time. Nice. As soon as we're done with Cripple God, we're actually gonna we're gonna do like a whatever book in between, but that's gonna be our next series. Yeah. <laughs> Is that your first time reading through? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. was going to finish them up so that Mark, Timmy, and I could do, um, oh, like a, we wanted to do a spoiler edition. Um, yeah, so you have to let me know when you finish. I'm going to have like four authors that have read the series and we'll be uh, doing a spoiler edition and going through and kind of dissecting. Nice. Yeah. yeah, the slog yeah. is definitely, <laughs> definitely <laughs> sluggish. That's why I'm kind of excited to have a reading buddy to go through the first time with because without him, yeah. I would not have made it through all these Malazan Book of the Fallen books because all my favorite yeah. characters tend to die pretty quick. So. <laughs> R.I.P. Whiskey Jack. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I actually am not finding it all that sluggish, but maybe that's just because I'm reading it, uh, as an audiobook. So I just oh, like, keep going and I'm just like, books. yeah, they do such yeah. a good job. Yeah. They Every do. time I get done with one, I I'll wait, I'll do another audiobook, and then I'll do the audiobook. I've been doing that with mm -hmm. the Will White Cradle series too, but that, that's a Ooh. great, that's a great narrated series right there. Honestly. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. I, Will White series I heard is amazing too oh and it's it seems like a great palate cleanser because they're like pretty yep. short pretty fast-paced yep, that's what i'm doing right now oh. yeah yeah i just got done with another book that was a little bit bigger and um while i love the world building and the characters they were just you could tell it was the author's like you know like pretty early book um mm -hmm. i want to apologize to my readers you know <laughs> for the last uh, but yeah it was yeah. a great book but I, yeah i'm using it as a palate cleanser before going to their book too which is definitely a a bit of a chunker but yeah i highly recommend mm -hmm. it he's, he's got some amazing world building and yeah there's just i don't want to give it away there's one thing that he does in book one that is just like i think is absolutely brilliant and just makes it very very unique so from a writer's standpoint i think all writers if you write fantasy or sci-fi should read his series at least the first three at least get to black mm -hmm. and white but yeah very good yeah I mean, the guy's so successful as an indie author too. Like <laughs> we should all be reading his stuff, yeah, figure out what he's doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I want to try and get him on for season three. Um, for sure. I want to talk to him and like his team, but he's, he's my inspiration though. Cause he's hired like his friends and family. And that's mm -hmm. just, that's just what he does. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like to, to hire my two best friends would be <laughs> awesome. Like just to like right? work at home or, you know, yeah. Just to, to do whatever. But yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I forget what we were even talking about. Oh, you were, sorry, we were talking about we were talking about Rand and uh, kind of going a little. little oh, that's right. The power. Yeah, yeah. He's. I. I mean, I guess since I'm reading the Wheel of Time and Rand is going insane, it's probably <laughs> more than a little bit of an inspiration. That's <laughs> my second book. Oh, that's um, awesome. That's yeah, cool. but I'm trying to like not do it exactly the same way because I don't want to yeah, just yeah. like rip off what he's doing. Plus, I have to do it in like three books, not fourteen. So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the thing of the slog, the 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 first the what well, right the first trilogy slog of an author, right? <laughs> you got to get it all done in, oh. in three versus yeah, fourteen like him. Yeah, <laughs> Man, that's my goal. I can't even one, imagine. Right? I know, right? A fourteen book series. Well, I mean, I guess he wrote they're not, they're not eleven. Small. Yeah, and no. the, none of them are small. I mean. They're yeah. all like they're all. You could kill somebody with the hardcover. <laughs> yeah, I think you could kill somebody with the paperback. Honestly, if you throw it, <laughs> yeah, or at the right angle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good series though. I I just I loved his. Um, I don't even know. Like, I was trying to explain it to my buddy, my best friend, and I was like, "Let's just read it." I'm like, "I don't know how to explain it." I'm like, you know, because mm -hmm. he asked me because like there are different things. I am really glad that we're reading Malazan Book of the Fallen. I and I am glad we're doing it as a buddy read because there are so many things as a writer where I'm like, okay, I love this. I don't love this, you know. And 
I've learned so much from Steven Erickson, um, you know, just from, from the writing process, um, you know, being a writer and reading his work. And I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that, cause I've really enjoyed wheel of time. I'm glad that I am pausing there. And I actually just listened to, I actually just got caught up with the audio as well. So I feel like, like, you know, pretty good about it. Um, I'll probably listen to the sixth book again before we start book seven, uh, right mm. before the summer. But yeah, I mean, there's just, it's cool as a writer, right. To, like you said, you know, like, Oh, I want to do this, but do it differently. It's like, it's just so funny. Cause that's like cultural diffusion in a nutshell, right? Like somebody gives you that idea. Yep. And that's why I do these interviews. You know, you've said a lot of things today where I'm like, Oh my God, that's so cool. I have a desert setting, you know, and I'm like, I've been debating doing two sons for it, you know, doing the tattooing mm. thing. And, um, nice. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I don't know. There's, there's different things that I think would be really cool with it. So you really got me thinking now, like, should I go back and, you know, reanalyze that, you know? And I think that's, what's great about talking to different authors. And, you know, I, I said something the other day and so it's like, Oh, that's a really good idea. I might have to consider that. And I'm like, yeah, feel free. You know, I'm like, I want to do a seminar where you and I and three other authors are all given the same idea. And then we write a short story or like a chapter one about that idea. And then we come together and see how that same idea has mm. been used. I think that would just be like, yeah, that'd be so much fun. Yeah. It'd be a really cool writing exercise just to show that, you know, there's only, only so many words in the English language, but at the same time, the way <laughs> we put them together, it's like, you know, it's, it's incredibly different. So I think it'd be mm. really cool. But yeah, definitely. Speaking of Steven Erickson, he's another guy who based his stories on a campaign, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, campaign. yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I cannot believe I'm forgetting the name of his co-author. <laughs> um, oh, man. <laughs> we just read him. Um, Return to the Crimson Guard, though. Um, yeah, I mean, it was so interesting to, yeah, to learn that and then to, you know, to read like his partner stuff and um, to see how they kind of dance around each other and both mm-hmm. add it to the world building. And um, they write about some of the same characters and stuff. And But I mean, it really... Um, yeah, it was very, it was very, very different um, within the same world. And it, but it was really cool. It was like a really cool experience. So I think when we're doing Wheel of Time, we're going to go back and, and I still can't believe I'm blanking on his name. And we're going to read his, um, the rest of his uh, stories. And it's cool because we'll already know like the main plot, you know, when they, well, those ones for him, they kind of, they're like in between like the main storyline. Uh, but now they mm-hmm. got those like prequels and, you know, trilogies and novellas and things like that. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure we'll definitely finish, you know, all the Malazans at some point. Um, the bridge burners have to be one of my favorite crews of all time. And I just love that. Yeah. Like that. And like uh, Glenn Cook's Chronicles of the black company, like the black company. Mm-hmm. I just love that. I love that. Like elitist, um, you know, almost like Navy seal, like mentality that people have of them or Roman Legion S kind of thing. Oh, nice. But, yeah. That's another one that's on my shelves back there and I haven't gotten to it yet. I got to like book four. I have to say, don't, don't do what I did and get to book four. And then go, oh, I'll just read. I was almost done with the last chapter. And then I went on to book five and read the back cover like an mm. idiot. And then it, it was a spoiler <laughs> that don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh yeah, that was that was a great series. That's the one I'm gonna definitely have to go back to. And um I'm kind of on the I think I'm on book five, I think maybe book six. I'm on the one where it's like it splits off, where you have some of the characters that split off from mm. uh, from the main company and stuff and kind of do their own thing. So I kind of like took a break, but I think I read all of them within like three weeks, like the first. Like, oh man. Five. Yeah. They were, they were good. He's, he's a very different um writing style, but 
it was it was once you get used to it, it's really enjoyable and i just love the characters but yeah his world building is just absolutely insane i mean just and he does his books aren't even that big but he does so much and yeah. builds so much just with the I, I i always love when you can have an author do that i have an author for forgotten realms here um where it's like a it's a standalone oh it's uh it's called blade singer it's keith francis strom and i want to see what else keith has uh has written but this is amazing and you get this character and 20 pages in i'd say and i i absolutely love the characters and Wow, you know, I really wanted to. He did so much in twenty pages. I'm like, how do you do that as a writer? It was, <laughs> it was incredible. I was like, I need like a hundred pages, you know? So yeah, maybe one of those days. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I have such such respect for authors that can really write like a really just streamlined, condensed story, still make it feel like a big world that's got <laughs> lots of layers and depth. Dune, yeah, Dune in a nutshell. I mean, he did more world yeah. building in book one than most people do and in no offense to Jordan like a 14 book series I mean just mm -hmm. yeah just incredible I take a novella or a short story and then it turns into a trilogy so I <laughs> do the opposite maybe one of these days I'll, I'll get the hang of it but yeah yeah another person who who did that really well was um Evan Winter with the Rage of Dragons oh my god he's on my oh list my um, I grabbed the first two books um I was like somewhere in um Oh, I was at one of my favorite independent um, bookstores, um, Northshire in Saratoga Springs. Mm. They got one in Vermont, too. Uh, yeah. And like we were on a trip there to see my mother-in-law. That's where she lives. And I was like, oh, my gosh, book one's here in paperback. And it was like the first day. So I bought book one. <laughs> and that day. That's right when he released book two. And well, I guess it was when book two was released in paperback. because They were relatively around the same time because of the pandemic and then we went to the other mm -hmm. bookstore their same their only other location and book two is sitting there in paperback <laughs> my wife's like do it i'm like i got multiple i was like coming home you know like like a little school kid i was so <laughs> yeah i cannot wait for that one i'm doing um oh with another friend of mine i bought him um book one yeah so we're gonna do a a, a book club reading of it but instead of doing it from like a reader standpoint we're doing it from a writer standpoint uh so mm -hmm. that'd be like my first writer's book club book so i'm pretty excited to do it for that one for so many good things nice. yeah that's fantastic oh, great awesome. book and the, the pacing like i've never read a book with heard. faster pacing yeah, that's what i've heard i'm really anxious to to read that one for to learn like how he did his pacing because i've heard that from so many different people and like that's what i want people to say about one of my books in particular for like the first book because i want to you know really springboard and I want it to feel like it, it only happens within like four days and everything's mm -hmm. pretty crazy. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, um, to see how he did his pace because it's a big book, you know? And yeah. I just think that's interesting. I had so many people be like, Oh yeah, I just, I miss work the next day, you know, <laughs> like I had to like finish I was 150 pages and it's like 2 AM and I just decided to to plow through and I'm like, yep. that's, that's amazing. I've heard that for multiple people um, that I trust. So I just think that's, that's crazy. The skill. Yeah. I definitely want to have Evan on though. I, um, he's one of my like. I have a few bigger names for season three that you know I'd, I'd like to get on to after I've read their book. Um, just to kind of, you know, pick their writer brain a little bit more in mm -hmm. detail. But yeah, he's definitely on my list. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I have a I have a theory that's probably kind of dumb <laughs> about pacing, but okay. I think a a lot of it comes down to shorter chapters. Just like full stop that's it short chapters you have a faster paced book yeah yeah 
I well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I I was talking to somebody and that's what their theirs is like. Oh my god! Now I'm gonna blank. I I believe it was. I think they well they said like 1,800 words and I'm like what? I'm like how do you get a chapter done? Unless you're just doing one POV, I guess. I'm more used to like I've 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 noticed my stats are like 2,000 to about you know like somewhere around 2,300 words per chapter. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but I was like, holy crap. But I do, I do agree with you though. Like I, there are books where I'm like, okay, you know, maybe there are more chapters in the book or more POVs, like three or four POVs and each one's a chapter. But yeah, it mm-hmm. definitely seems like when I get to one where I'm like, I mean, that's the only thing about males and book of the fall. I'm like, you could literally be in like an 80 page chapter. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think one we did was like, it was like 110 pages and I'm like, Oh my god! And we do it by chapter per week, and I'm just oh, like, yeah. so that week we were like a week and a half, and I read like 160 pages, and that was two chapters, you know. And mm-hmm. I just I think that it would feel better at times going through, and I think about that, you know, like does it feel better for your reader, you know? Oh, I got done with a chapter, you know. I just think as humans that helps us out. So I I do agree. Mm-hmm. I've been tending to reduce mine. And I think a couple once I get this one book done, I think I'm gonna actually go through and cut out a couple of the last parts and put it on the next chapter so it's a little bit mm. you know those little cliffhangers or you know like the page turner effect or something like that yeah that shorter <laughs> chapter i tend to enjoy as a reader more yeah i've definitely noticed that in myself too so <laughs> the the an ocean of others like i think the average page or after average chapter length was like four thousand words okay maybe even longer um I'm, I'm really trying to stick to like an average of two thousand for this sequel I think oh, that's right. going to help a lot. Um, yeah. It's also more fun to write that way for whatever reason. I don't I, know why. I, I agree. I think once I do the anywhere from like 2,200 to like 2,500, I, I, it just seems, yeah, it seems to be my average for like a chapter. Like that's when I'm mm. like done with the words for that spot. I don't, I don't know why. I think it's because mm. I, I do feel it's as a reader, I've been reading more books like that. So I think that's where, you know, I'm almost like, my mind's been thinking that way, you know, in terms of scenes and stuff. Yeah. yeah it's kind of Curious if that's like a trend that like chapters are getting shorter or shorter. Maybe it's like, that. we all got to compete with TikTok now. So we need like five minute chapters. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do. I do think that it has a lot to do with, you know, technology and, you know, attention span and things like that. But I also, my friend made a good point. He thinks that it has a lot to do with TV shows too. Um, mm. you know, with Like the reduction of episode lengths and stuff like that, you know, and commercials and, but I think, again, it goes to, you know, technology, you know, because they want that commercial to make you go on your phone, um, you know, things like that. YouTube, I think, has, you know, like YouTube back in the day didn't have the ads. Now there's like 100. And it's like I listened to one video the other day on an author that they did, and they clearly have a lot of ads, <laughs> like a lot of sponsors. <laughs> a 15 minute clip and there were five ads that were like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was just like, I'm like, I'm glad you're doing well, but. I was like, I really just wanted to, you know, it kind of turned me off from listening to, you know, their, their podcast now. Um, yeah. But yeah. I kind of want to listen on Spotify now. <laughs> so it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't do that. But yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Pacing is definitely one that I have been thinking about lately a lot more. Yeah. It's hard to get right too. Cause there's like, it's, it's almost like fractal. Like you need really the right pacing for this paragraph. You need the right pacing for this page, this scene, this, the whole book, it just blows up. No, I totally agree. Well, it's like, I keep thinking, I'm like, well, so my buddy and I talked about it and she was like, well, you should just write the book and then worry about it later. She's like, you can just, you know, move some of those 
end paragraphs or something like that around. She goes, then you could always just, you know, rewrite it as like, it's the start of this chapter. Um, you know, just to, you know, she goes, I just, she goes, I just write. And then she goes, I worry about the pacing later, particularly mm-hmm. with like draft two and three. And I'm like, God, that's a much better idea. Like just get the words, <laughs> just vomit on the page and then worry about the mess later. And she's like, yeah. I'm yeah. Like, okay. But I still think, you know, with efficiency sake, like later on, you know, I do want to try to write, you know, with better pacing right from the start. So I'm thinking like, well, even if when you regurgitate, I'm like, that's a lot of cleanup work, you know? So yeah. Especially having a baby, I'm trying to make myself more efficient. <laughs> yeah. I have to be dealing with a lot of regurgitation too. And so I, I don't think I need to do it in my writing, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Pacing is definitely one that I, I probably should be adding more questions about pacing now that I think about it. I think I'm going to do that for, for season. Yeah. Definitely I, I would love to hear more from writers about how they handle that. Cause that's, that's a problem that I don't know that I've fully yeah. <laughs> wrapped my head around yet. I need yeah, more info. Good. Yeah, that's a good one. Pacing question. But yeah, to the uh, to your friends process, I, I do think it makes sense to just like consider the first draft like a vomit draft, like whatever yeah, comes out, just do it. Yeah, but otherwise you don't get at it. At the same time. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I really just want to get it right the first time because I'm so lazy. <laughs> I just want. To, I don't want to go back and review everything. Four or five, yeah, yeah. Somebody the other day was like, "Oh, I go through like 13 times." I'm like, "I don't have that much time." <laughs> no. Yeah, I can't do 13 drafts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's well, like my draft two right now for my first fantasy novel? I'm like, I just started re-outlining, and it's been taking me like a year and a half to re-outline. And I've tried mm. going back in, writing it a few more times. It just was not working, and. The other day we're at birthing class and I was just like about to fall asleep. We have a great teacher. I was so tired and it's like seven to nine o'clock at night. So, or six to nine. So it's just a long class and you're like sitting there listening to people. Oh man. And I, so I like had my notebook with me. I was like, Oh, I just wanted to get a couple of, you know, scenes outlined. The next thing I know I had like six pages of outlining later <laughs> and I like had fixed like five or six major problems. So I was just like, I don't know why I took it's a good birthing out. class. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Well, I used to college. I was in college. I was used to writing and then drawing at the same time as taking notes. You know, because when you have a three-hour class, it's like, you know, and they don't want you to have your phone out, and I don't think it's good anyway. I don't pay attention that way, but I can multitask, you know, and I would do whatever, and then I'd write the note and I'd think about it, and then I go back to you know, whatever world building or character or something I was drawing or writing but I think that's like I'm just so used to that process now so mm-hmm. that's why I'm hoping I'm praying as a father that I can multitask like that <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> you know like get something done but yeah yeah be are you someone who works on like multiple projects at the same time you strike me I, as someone who does I I just I just have to get words down in a day so mm. um I don't I think it I was doing such a good job focusing and then um I think just like with the baby, like with the anxiety, like I, I don't mm. really, I'm not somebody that tends to openly feel my anxiety. Um, I tend to just get like kind of restless, you know, and mm. it's like under the surface. So I really have seen lately where that's affected my writing. So I feel like there's just certain times where I just get something down. Like the other day I had this really secret project and I was listening to something online, a, a really good podcast. It's called Writer's Roots um it's on spotify it's amazing and um the host she was discussing world building and she gave me this great idea for the secret project i was working on so i like paused the podcast and then that whole night i i think i got like almost five thousand words of world building and characterization yeah like done i mean it was like i was just like 
boom. And I had fixed a lot of problems for the world, the magic system. I had gotten a lot down for the different characters, cultures and things and stuff was just a flow. And so I just, I didn't want to stop the spout. And then the next day I was kind of tapped out on that. And then mm -hmm. I went back to, uh, I have like, uh, I'm, I'm for some reason, I'm missing like 3000 words from my first prequel novella for my urban fantasy. So now I have to like try and I've looked through all my notes. I have to go back and oh, like, no. write it. Yeah. It's supposed it just to disappeared. Data readers. <laughs> yeah. It just disappeared. It's just like gone. <laughs> so yeah. So I was like working on that. So yeah, I just, I, at this point with the baby, I'm just like, if I can just get words down and you know, just get going. But I it used to be a lot, a lot worse because I wouldn't go back yeah. to whatever. Um, so now I've been, I've been doing that a little bit just so, because sometimes I'm just like, I just don't have it for that particular idea. So I'll go and work on something else that I want to work on that day. Or maybe I was thinking about, and then I'll solve that problem. But I've been doing mm -hmm. a much better job coming back to my main two projects. Uh, Cause they're the ones I want to come out, um, you know, for next fall. Um, and then I got a couple of Kindle Bella short stories um, series that I'm starting. So I've pretty much mm -hmm. just been, instead of working on like eight projects or 10, I've really just been working on like three right now and trying to get things done. So, yeah, but I mean, it's funny because like, that's where like Jake Fred and I were talking about. He's like, if I don't do that, he's like, all everything stops. He's like, if mm -hmm. I just try to cram on this one idea. And for me, a lot of times, like when I take a break and I go do something else and then come back, I... I do a lot better on the main thing that I'm working on, which is why I think I did such a good job with the outlining and stuff. When I just take that break, it's like when you can't think of what something's called, right. Or who that actor mm -hmm. was. I was thinking of something last night before bed. I was like, why can't I think of what this thing is? And like, I went <laughs> to sleep and then I woke up being like, Oh, it's this thing. Like, why could I think of that word? Uh, took all night. <laughs> yeah. It literally took all night and like eight hours of sleep to do, but I finally got it. But yeah, it's it's interesting, I think, to talk to different authors about, you know, different processes and things. Cause yeah, I think we're all different and our brains work differently. And, you know, we all have stresses and motivators and experiences. And speaking of reading, we all read different authors. And I think a lot of that seeps into, you know, your different styles. But yeah. 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 My brain is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> like I need to just like focus on one thing and to see yeah. it through to completion, which, uh, that's why my cereal that I've got going on every month, I have to like re con like context switch. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Me a headache. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Well, I have a friend like that. He could not absolutely not switch. Otherwise he can't ever get back into his voice again. And he was saying mm -hmm. to me, he's like, he goes, you switch your voices so, so easily. I'm like, I don't think I have a choice. I'm like, otherwise, like I said, I, I don't get anything down, but he's got to mm -hmm. takes him so long. Like he finished like book three and then, you know, he went and did something else. And then he was even having trouble just slipping into the new voice. And he's like, it just takes me so long. I'm like, well, again, I think that, you know, everybody's different, but I don't, I don't tend to forget those things for whatever reason, you know, and I, I can just pick up where I left off and I have better ideas rather than I'm ahead rather than being behind. And mm -hmm. you know, I had to fight that for a while because people were trying to tell me, you know, who like do your style, which there's nothing wrong with, but they were trying to get me to be like them and, I'm, I'm not like you or them, you know, and um, it was making me less effective. So I think that's a good thing for, you know, writers in our audience to think of, like, go with what makes you more effective, not necessarily, yeah. you know, like you can do what, you know, we both do and it might not work. You know, you might have to find a third option or a fourth or a fifth option. But yeah. 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 Right. Everybody's got to just craft their own process. It's yeah. part of what makes writing so difficult in a way, I guess. I agree. Yeah. Cause you can't just teach people. I was like, my kids mm -hmm. are still like, teach me how to write. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, how do I even, 
remotely do that. And I think that's where now, you know, it's a lot harder to teach reading too, because so many people are different, you know, and as a teacher, I think that's one thing I've learned is like, we all are very, very different in a lot of different ways. And, you know, it tends to, you know, and in education, we're taught, right, we're all the same. And we're all supposed to do yeah. the same exact same, you know, thing the same way. And it's just not like that, you know, and mm -hmm. I think writing in particular, I find so enjoyable, because you and I can both do it 1500 different ways but both still come up and you know with these great ideas and craft you know really great work well at least you can um but... <laughs> i'm sure you can too <laughs> <laughs> but you know it just, it just it makes it more exciting you know and when you tell me that you're working on book two that gets me excited because i'm like well i want to see how josh with his you know with your way with your pacing with your tools comes up with this great work you know and i just think that's what makes you know, what we do so enjoyable personally, because it's not even just my writing, I find enjoyable, I find, and not even it's not, not even I find your book enjoyable, I find your also your writing process, you know, mm -hmm. enjoyable and, and learning about that. So I think as a writer, it's cool, because you can, I can read your work, but then we can talk about it. And I can really read your work or, you know, and there's just so many different facets to it that I find fascinating. And I don't know, it's just, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting thing that we do. I don't know. Yeah. It it, kind of, it makes me think of what we were talking about before, where your friend said, like, why you interview fantasy authors, like, that's boring. Fantasy is all the same. And I yeah. feel like maybe if she said that in like the 70s, she could she was right. <laughs> that's fair. No, that's fair. Yeah. I or, or like, fantasy or sci-fi, too. Yeah, I feel like that's. Fair. Yeah. yeah. But like these days, like we're definitely in that golden age with like indie publishing and everything. Like there's so many unique stories coming out like yeah, yeah. There, nothing is impossible at this point like yeah. you can write a story about anything well it really is a, we're Amazing. we're really in a renaissance yeah we're we mm -hmm. really are and, and i don't think a lot of people realize like renaissance means revival you know and mm -hmm. i really think we are in a revival right now of fantasy sci-fi horror i think just indie alone has really you know revived the you know like me Heck, like the independent bookstores are on the rise right now. You know, they said I had I have an article. I have an article that I kept. And I'm going to frame it. And it said um, <laughs> and, no, seriously, 10 years ago. And this was right when I was about nine. Yes, 10 years ago. So about nine years ago, I met Brandon Sanderson before he was Brandon Sanderson. Patrick Rothfuss, when in the name of the wind had just come out two weeks before. Um, or I guess two months before and was just getting up there. Um, uh, it was Kevin Hearn had put it on. Um, down at the Poison Pen in Scottsdale. I met Brian McCollin with his first Powdered Mage book. Um, Michael J. Sullivan had just released his third book in his first trilogy. Um, just hilarious guy. I loved him. Um, and there were just so many people there, you know, with the indie community. And that's really where I learned about the indie community. And it's so funny to me that right then I was at an independent bookstore and that like article came out six months before that. And then literally... Now you look almost 10 years later and I have a new article that says the rise of indie publishing or the rise of independent bookstores. And I want to put them side by side because I think it really, what did the goes. first article say, uh, it said that independent bookstores are dead and that's right. Oh. When Barnes <laughs> yeah. and Noble had, well, that's when Barnes and Noble, like a decade ago, you know, had really hit its main, you know, it's really, it's climax, I think. And that's really where, you know, Amazon was struggling and was really just trying to figure out whatever. And that's before, the pendulum really shifted for them, but particularly mm -hmm. for indie publishing. And but I just think it's I think it'd be so funny to have both of them side by side because I really think it goes to show you right that everything trends. And mm -hmm. um, I think it really shows that we are in a renaissance for you know for publishing because you know independent bookstores are on the rise now. So I just think that you know 
indie publishing has a lot to do with that. So, yeah. Yeah. It also shows that like the future is unpredictable. Like you, I agree. you never know what's going to happen. So yeah. just write the story that's in your heart and totally agree. who knows it could blow up. Yeah. Like Travis Baldry's legends and lattes. Thank you. I, I always, I've been referencing him a lot recently. Yep. Yep. I, I totally agree with that. You never know when could be the next Travis or, you know, that's what someone asked me. I was like, I'm just going to write what I want to write and put the books out there and try to be nice to people and, you know, help other authors or people out. And, you know, the rest will just keep doing what I'm doing and the rest will come later. So, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's all you can do. And like the writing community and the reading community is just so supportive, so helpful, yeah. just full of amazing people who yeah. want to see everybody succeed. Yeah. And it's definitely a fun just, place to be. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Josh, uh, for that last question, do you have any um, uh, promos, news, updates, current projects, anything like that that you can share with us before we head out? Uh, yeah. So I guess I have a couple things going on right now. So first, obviously, the In Ocean of Others just came out a couple months ago. So pick that up if you can, if you're... <laughs> What'd you say? I'd Didn't say buy it. Yeah, definitely go oh, buy, buy it. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've got an ocean of others. I'm working on the sequel to that right now. Called it doesn't have a title right now, so I'm just calling it Sibling Sons Two. I started that for Nano Rimo, wrote the first thirty five thousand words. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very different book from the first one, hopefully in a good way. <laughs> I'm trying to take everything I learned about what not to do from the first one and fix it <laughs> but it's going to be three povs whereas the first one's one pov so the story's just getting bigger and bigger and i have no idea how i'm going to wrap it up in three books <laughs> who knows maybe i am writing a 14 book series yeah yeah yeah. So. <laughs> <Point> that, yeah. <laughs> um, and then i've got grave of the waiting which goes out with my newsletter well pretty much with my newsletter on my website every month so on the first of every month I put out a new chapter and on the fourth of every month, I put out a newsletter. So if you're interested in that, you can go to joshse.com and then there's a sign up link right at the top and I don't spam and I only send two emails a month and it's great. <laughs> right, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. I think that's pretty much all I've got going on right now. It's, it's a little overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fair. Well, I just want to remind the audience that you can find all of Joshua's social links, um, his website, um, things like that in the description, anywhere where this video and audio can be found. We just want to also remind people our big push for season two is to please, please, please uh, review those products um, anywhere where you have found them, whether it's Goodreads, Amazon, Audible, things like that, uh, Barnes and Noble even. Um, you know, that way authors such as Joshua can continue to, you know, come and talk to us about the great writing that they're doing. It definitely helps out all authors, but particularly indie authors um, to get their books out there. Uh, well, Joshua, thank you so much for coming on. It was really a pleasure talking to you. I feel like we could talk all day about fantasy and sci-fi. So I will, you know, definitely try to, you know, get you on for, you know, some of our seminars and things like that that we'll be holding in the late spring and summer. I think you, me and Jake personally would just have a, a great time. I have another author um, friend that I have not gotten interviewed yet, but who, you know, had expressed interest um, in the D&D to, you know, campaigns to writing a uh, seminar in particular. So I think the four of us would have a good time for that. So I got you down for, yeah. for that, you know, in particular. So I'll save a slot for you for that. So <laughs> yeah, I'd love to join you. Get yeah, Steven Erickson in too. <laughs> yeah, that's there. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I want to just see how he does his notes. That's, I, I want to, like, <laughs> right? I just want to see the, I want to see how he does what he does. I just think it'd be crazy. If I can't keep track in a book or three, I want to see how he does it in like, you know, 
10 books. So yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, Josh, if there's anything else I can do, you know, in the meantime to help you out, um, you know, just hit me up on Twitter, send me an email. Uh, I'll be sending you all this information in the next couple of days uh, that we would be all set. But if there's anything else I can do or we can do in the meantime, uh, just let me know, tag me, send it to me. I'll share whatever you have on, you know, Twitter or any other, you know, place that you want me to share. Uh, I'll do it on TikTok. Uh, but yeah, if there's anything else I can do in the meantime to help you out in any way, just let me know and be more than happy to. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you, Daniel. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. Well, Josh, you have a great rest of the day and I'll be sending that email. And I'm sure I'll talk to you on social media soon, my friend. All right. Take it easy. See you later. Bye. Bye.